Hello and welcome back to another IDC Tech Talk podcast. As always, I am your host, Miles Dawson, and today I'm very happy to welcome John Delaney to the podcast. Hello, John. Hey, Miles. Um, I wonder if you could give our listeners a quick overview of your core coverage at IDC, first of all. Sure, glad to. Uh, so I'm uh, heading up IDC's research into mobile network topics in, in Europe. Uh, so mobile network technology, all the Gs that, uh, that have been going on, that's my patch. Fantastic. So that's actually one of the things we're here to talk about today is one of the Gs, particularly the fifth G, 5G and the next generation of mobile networks. So let's start off me being very ignorant about this type of thing. Why do we need another mobile G? We've had four. We're in 4G at the moment. My phone's pretty quick. Why do we need a fifth one? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And, and it's one of those things where, where people have started to question the inevitability of these things because what we've had basically for, for, for this, since 1980 really is a new G every 10 years uh, almost exactly every 10 years and so you know, people are thinking well you know, this is not a law of nature you know, we don't have to be sort of drawn and drawn along it's, it's in the end of the decades coming up we need another G you know what do we really need this for there's a number of answers to that question and they're kind of interlinked but fundamentally the, the, the big difference between mobile and fixed uh, is the economics. In fixed, the more capacity you need, the more you dig into the, into the ground, you know, whether that's a fibre line or, or it's copper. It, 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 presuming there's a business case, of course, but, but it's physically possible to get mm. more capacity yeah. by you doing all, that. You can always lie down more cable. Exactly. Mm. The mobile network runs on electromagnetic spectrum. Mm-hmm. And you cannot create new electromagnetic spectrum. No. You know, you can allocate it, but but you you can't make new. It, it's just it, it, it comes from nature. Mm-hmm. So you get to the point if you, you know, as an operator, you've got a given amount of spectrum. Once you fill that up with data, the only way to get more capacity is to come up with a new technology which is more efficient at getting data into that amount of spectrum. And that really at root is what the new G is for. The new G is a new waveform for the radio access network, which is more efficient in getting data into radio spectrum. Mm. Putting it crudely, you get more bits per hertz. Mm. And what's happening at the moment is that we're seeing um, mobile data traffic increasing at a rate which increases almost by half of its current volume every year. So, you know, you, you quite quickly over the next five years or so, operators are quite quickly going to come up against the limits of what they've got today in terms of capacity. So at root, the main reason for needing a new G is to keep up with demand. Mm. Given that you can't create new electromagnetic spectrum, you need a more efficient way of using what you've got. Excellent. So what's going to be the important features that distinguish 5G from the previous generations? Okay, so this is where you start to come into the economics mm. of, of, uh, of building a new G. So that, It's all very well to say we need a new G um, and it's because we need more capacity. But that takes a lot of investment mm. and the operator's got to have a business case for that investment. So the other thing that a new G's got to do is open up new markets for them. Now, up until... 4G, um, mobile networks have been um, shared access media. By that, I mean you know, there's no preferential um, performance on a, on a mobile network for one user as compared to another. You're doing something in, in a, on a mobile cell site. 
somebody else starts doing something demanding on a mobile sales site, you know, streaming video, somebody else comes along streaming video, you all contend with each other on equal terms and everybody's performance progressively gets worse as more and more people on that sales site want to do things on that sales site. Now that's okay if, if what you're doing is not critical um, and there is a, a a reservation on that for voice so it's a voice is, is protected in, in a certain way but, but outside mm. of voice you, the, the, the more people are, are working on the sell site the worse the performance gets mm-hmm. in 5G there will be a technique called network slicing mm. which essentially makes it spins up a virtual network for an application which, which looks to the application like a network which has a given set of characteristics so it can do a minimum data rate. It can do a, a minimum amount of latency in that connection. In other words, it, it, it takes what that application needs and provides it to that application irrespective of what other applications are doing on the same cell site. So in other words, it makes the same physical network behave as multiple virtual networks. Hmm. Now, among other things, what that enables you to do as an operator is give service level guarantees to particular customers. Mm. Now, there are net neutrality implications there which have yet to be worked out. But leaving regulation aside, in terms of capability, that means for the first time, mobile operators can offer guaranteed quality of service on 5G networks to enterprise customers, Mm. either because they pay for it or because what they're doing on the network requires it. Mm. And that's something which is fundamentally new. So it means that mobile operators can start to build a much more granular set of business targeted services uh, than they have been able to than they've been able to do on previous generations of the mobile network so they you know, there's still clearly going to be a, a mass market um, mm. case for, for for the mobile connectivity but the enterprise part of the business will be expanded to quite a large extent in the 5G era because of this capability to do more sophisticated um, levels of quality of service and to guarantee those with SLAs. Absolutely. So what would you say the key benefits then are going to be? First of all, um, let's stick with businesses and operators. So what's going to be the key benefits for those um, with with the new 5G network? 5G promises to improve network performance in three key areas. Mm. First one is the data rate. Mm-hmm. We're looking at that another way, the capacity of the network for, for, for carrying data. So mm. it will be able to carry data at a faster speed than 4G. How much faster is it a matter of debate at the moment? But the mm. target for, for the first 5G networks is peak data rates in, in the in the range of one gigabit per second. Um, so you, you know you, that's not what you're going to get as an end user, but <laughs> no. it's, it's but it's it's going to be certainly in the hundreds of megabits per second mm. uh, that that you know, you'll experience as an end user of of, of the early five G services. Absolutely, but that's that's a capacity. Well, the, it, it's it's two ways of looking at the same thing. So, mm. so data rate and capacity are kind of two sides of the same coin. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's it's the it's the throughput of the network. Yeah, the, the rate at which it can it can get traffic going from A to B, putting it crudely. Okay. And so 5G is going to be able to do that a lot faster than 4G. Second area is in what we call latency. Now, latency means, well, technically it means the, the, the length of the round trip from one endpoint to the other endpoint and back mm-hmm. again of, 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 a, of a network connection. What it means in practice is how responsive the network is. So before 4G came along, it was quite hard to do voice over IP 
because the latency was so bad that you would you know, you'd get like a, a perceptible delay mm. between mm. what you say and what the other person at the end of the, at the line would hear. Yeah. Um, so it made it quite difficult to, to support um, mm. those real-time communications applications before 4G came along. 4G came along and, and brought latency down to the range of around 40 to 50 milliseconds, which is shorter mm. than the human ear can perceive. Yeah. So with an acceptable boundary. So you so you can yeah, yeah so so, mm. so so now you know you it's it's quite easy to, to, to run a VoIP application or a video communications application on top of a mobile network mm -hmm. because the latency is good enough for that. But it's not good enough for things where you need to be able to control something at the mm. other end. So if you if you're using the mobile network uh, to control, say, for example, a piece of construction site equipment. Mm. 40, 50 milliseconds isn't good enough. When you hit the brake, you need it to stop. Yeah. Um, what that means is you need to get latency down below 10 milliseconds and, and possibly quite a lot lower down, depending on the criticality of what you're operating. Mm. You know, so for a, for a driverless car, it's got to be even lower than that. Mm. In the mass market, um, one of the things that that would enable is, is, uh, is real-time VR, virtual reality. Mm. So you know, you, when you've when you got a virtual reality headset and you turn your head around, you need the landscape to move instantly, uh, otherwise mm. you're going to get motion sickness. And that's, I suppose, that, that level of latency is also going to assist augmented reality Correct. for like commercial augmented reality. Yeah, similarly. So yeah. You, you know, you've got what you're looking at in, mm -hmm. in, in your goggles, and so you turn your head around, mm. you want the, the annotations on that real world that AI mm. is providing to, to change instantly, otherwise you're yeah. going to get disoriented. So, yeah, Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, that's another area, you're quite right. So those are two areas of, of, of improvement. And then mm -hmm. the third area in which 5G improves on 4G is what we call the connection density, which means the number of connected devices that a given cell site can support. Mm. Now, when we start to look at the Internet of Things, so things like sensors, uh, road sensors, traffic sensors, street lights, that, that type of connectivity device, there's going to be a lot more of those eventually in a given cell site mm. than there are mobile phones. And so the amount of signaling traffic those things generate needs to be a lot lower mm. and can be a lot lower because of the nature of the devices than what, what you know, a current mobile network will require. So the 5G core network will enable uh, a lot more devices to be connected to the network. In other words, it will make eventually the mobile network a lot more IoT friendly. Mm. than 4G networks can. Absolutely, and that's going to be crucial moving forward, isn't it? As you say, as more and more things get connected, like you talk about the construction equipment there, when you're tracking the nuance of, um, sort of it, it, you know, eventually you're going to have sensors across a piece of construction equipment telling you how the wear and tear are going on particular pieces. Yeah. And as that end, that's going to have to get passed through the uh, the network as well. So. Exactly, yeah, and in the long term, arguably, that connection density is, is going to be the most important area in which 5G mm. improves on 4G, yeah. Absolutely. So the big question, I suppose, is when when is this going to be about? When are we going to start being able to pick up um, commercial 5G equipment? Well, um, depending on who you listen to, you could, you could say we already can. Now, it's it's one of those things where you have to separate the, the, the hype from the reality, and, and it's not always a clear-cut thing. Mm. Um, but if we strictly define 5G as something which complies with the 5G standard specification, 
nothing that's out yet is 5G mm -hmm. because there isn't a specification yet. The 3GPP, which is the body that, that um, moves forward the, the, uh, the specifications for, for mobile networks, will be releasing the first, um, the first stage of, of standardization for 5G radio next quarter. So, okay. so, so, so by, by Q118 we will have what's called, it's referred to as non-standalone new radio for 5G. What that means is it's, it's a new radio interface, but it runs on a, on a 4G network. Mm. Um, later, towards the end of next year, there will be a specification for standalone 5G mm. new radio. And at that point, you then have a, a, a benchmark, if you like, by which you can say, well, this is or is not 5G. Does it comply with the standard? But then there are things like there are characteristics of 5G. So one of the things that, character, that characterizes 5G will be that it can use much higher frequency spectrum mm. than, uh, than previous generations of mobile networks, particularly in what gets referred to as the millimeter wave band. So that refers to the wavelength of the, of mm. the spectrum. So at the moment, mobile networks don't use any uh, spectrum above three gigahertz frequency. In 5G, potentially, it's going to be able to use things in the millimeter wave bands, which is starts at around the 28 gigahertz, mm. sorry, around the 26 gigahertz 20, mark, yeah. and, and, and upwards from there. So, for example, we've got Verizon and AT&T in the US who are running trials at the moment of what they call fixed wireless access, mm. which means essentially using radio waves to, to, to provide home broad and, and small office broadband service, rather than a, a, a fixed line. Mm. Um, it uses 28 gigahertz. As, as the frequency, and they're calling it 5G. And, and as far as I can tell, the only reason that they're calling it 5G is because it uses 28 gigahertz. It certainly doesn't comply with the 5G specification because we don't have one yet. Mm. And it's not even mobile. So, you know, there'll, there'll be things like that between now and 2020, which is when we think that the first f true, in the sense of technically compliant 5G services mm. will start to become available in Europe. Will it require new antenna bands, like LTE antennas inside phones, for example? Not for necessarily. Okay. Um, because 5G will be able to use a much wider range of spectrum mm. than, than previous generations of mobile network. Um, the constraints are really on what other parts of the world are doing. Let's say for the sake of example, you have, uh, as an operator, you have some 800 megahertz spectrum that you're using at the moment for 4G because that's when it was licensed and you'd, you'd like to use that for 5G. The problem with being able to do that, well, there are two problems. One is there are not likely to be any 5G devices that will support that 800 megahertz band. Mm -hmm. so there's no device ecosystem. And if, you, you know, if there are no devices that can connect to your network, there's no point in having any network. The other one is that even if in one country you decide to do that, other countries may not go the same way. So your customers, when they travel to other countries, will not be able to use their devices on, on, mm. the, on the networks in that country. So there tends to be a, an interest in, in the in industry to, to form a consensus yeah. around which technologies go into which frequency bands. Yeah, and that's interesting because I remember there was... Um one of the mobile phone manufacturers, didn't they? Um, they had a problem, didn't they, that some of their LTE antennas didn't work in different regions around the world. Well, several of them had that problem. Yeah. yeah. Or, or in, in some cases, it turned out to be an opportunity because <laughs> <laughs> what, what happened here was so, so. What happened was that um, in the UK, mm. uh, our first 4G networks were available in 2012, mm -hmm. uh, and they were launched by EE. Mm -hmm. And EE had about a year's head start on the other operators. Mm. The reason for that was that EE got permission to do what's called re-farming 
of some of the spectrum it was using for 2G. So it had 1800 megahertz spectrum that was used on the 2G network. Mm. didn't need that capacity anymore because 2G is being wound down. Yeah. And it applied for permission to use that spectrum to deploy 4G LTE. Mm. Uh, so, so there were two new bands for, for LTE, one was 800 megahertz, one was 2.6 gigahertz. But EE came up with this idea of refarming its spectrum mm. instead in the 1800 megahertz band. It was given permission to go ahead on that basis, much to the annoyance of the other operators. <laughs> the bit of luck it had, mm. luck or, or knowledge depending on who you believe, was that the first 4G iPhone mm. supported the 1800 megahertz band. Mm. It did not support the bands that the other operators had to use for 4G. Ah. So not only did EE have a, have a year's head start on, on, on 4G services, but when the first 4G iPhone came onto the market, it only worked on the EE network. So that gives you an indication mm. of the importance of, of this match between yeah. frequency band and, 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 and waveform. In mm. principle, you can run 5G on any spectrum at all. Mm. In practice, it's constrained to quite a large extent to what the device manufacturers are supporting and mm. what operators in other parts of the world are doing. And that's why it, these things go through um, through some, some, some quite well-established standards bodies. So, yeah. for example, the, the International Telecommunications Union, the ITU, runs what it calls the World Radio Congress every four years, mm. at which it agrees on spectrum bands which can be allocated to mobile as opposed to other things like satellite or military. Um, next one of those is coming up in 2019, and we're expecting that to identify some millimeter wave spectrum, and probably to identify some, some spectrum in the 3.5 gigahertz band, which is where we think is gonna be the most important band in the early stages of 5G in Europe. We think that, that because there's quite a lot of spectrum available mm. in that band, um, which, is, which is new spectrum for mobile mm. operators. I would love to keep this conversation going quite frankly I can keep asking you questions for the next three hours about this stuff I find it absolutely fascinating but I think we may have run out of time so um, thank you all so much for listening and uh, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud and you can join us next time when we discuss another topic affecting the IT industry um, in the meantime you can follow us on Twitter we're at IDC underscore EMEA and you can follow John as well John what's your Twitter yeah, it's a bit unwieldy so get a pen and paper ready uh, it is at John, that's J-O-H-N, underscore P, underscore D. There we go. So please do follow John as well. And, um, and of course, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, and we're on LinkedIn. Just search us there under IDC. And thank you all very much, and see you next time. Thanks, Mike.